For me, the aha moment is when as a CSM or as an implementation team, an onboarding team, you're able to then get the customer onto the horizon of that dream, right? So it may not be that they're necessarily 100% meeting all of the metrics that they had defined initially, but they are at least to that point where that, that, that dream is now becoming a reality. And they, they, they know it, they feel it, and, and they internalize the fact that they've made the right decision to go with your company and your platform. Gainsight presents the Game Changer Podcast with host Adam Joseph. Hello, and welcome to the Game Changer Podcast brought to you by Gainsight. That clip was from today's guest, Waqas Hussein, manager of the strategic customer success team at Envision. Today, we're talking all about the aha moment of customer success, when you have a moment of sudden insight. Where and when should this aha moment happen for your customer? And does it differ based on their segment, industry, or level of adoption? And now, your host, Adam Joseph. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast series. I am Adam Joseph, the Director of Customer Success at Gainsight. Now, one of the most important moments in the life of a CSM is when their customer reaches what we might call a, an aha moment, or phrased slightly different, when, you, when your customer realizes that either they've achieved short-term or long-term value. How do you know when a customer achieves it? Can you tell just by simply asking your customer? Can you understand that by looking at data? Or is it a mixture of both? And actually, is it important to know if your customer gets to their aha moment, if they appear to be logging in regularly, using a wide breadth and depth of your product's features, and ultimately renewing? So to talk about this topic, I'm delighted to welcome Waikas Hussein, who is the manager of the strategic customer success team at Envision. Waikas, a very, very warm welcome to you. Thanks, Adam. I'm very, very happy to be here. I briefly introduced your your kind of background and role, but it would be great if just for a minute or so you, you told us a little more about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I reside in Dallas, Texas, uh, working for a, a fully distributed remote company, Envision. Envision is a platform that's sort of the leading edge platform for design collaboration and all digital product collaboration, really. And what I do here is I lead our strategic customer success team. So we're typically working with our largest and most strategic accounts. And before this, I was leading a customer success team at another company called Acquia. And so been in the customer success place for quite some time now. And, and as you mentioned, one of the things that I love most about customer success is getting customers to that aha moment and really, really helping them achieve meaningful business value. So this topic resonates very closely and dearly to me. I'm happy to be here and, and talk to you. Well, hey, look, it's absolutely great to have you on. And I love to use these podcasts as a way of getting to know my guests better. And you and I were just talking before before the pod about some of the things we picked up in the age of lockdown. And you mentioned to me that cooking was one of your passions out of out of work so I was just wondering if if you were going to have a, a dinner party for some friends or family what would be your your signature dish that you would cook up 
<laughs> it's a signature dish. Probably, so I love to barbecue. Uh, mm-hmm. Living in, in Texas, oh, uh, cool. we're, we love being outdoors, and, and the weather is great these days. But I'd put a little spin to it, a little twist to it. So my, my family background is from Pakistan. And so we, we typically like to barbecue kebabs and a dish called chicken tikka, which is a bit of a spicier chicken dish, and put that on the barbecue and then have it with a little bit of naan. So if I were having some guests over, I'd like to treat them to a, a more traditional cuisine from my background. Wow, we could just do a whole pod just on cookery alone because that sounds amazing. And I, I'm a pescatarian. <laughs> to me, it sounds, it sounds great. So you're selling it well. But just coming back more to the, the topic in hand, I mentioned in my intro what I felt the aha moment was in customer success, which is where you know customers realize value, be that short term, could be the basis on which they think that an implementation has been done correctly or maybe longer term thinking about renewal. But what does the aha moment of customer success mean to you? Yeah, so the aha moment of customer success to me means when, you know, during the sales cycle, good sales teams will paint a, an amazing vision of, of what this product or platform can do for this, this person or this organization. And they sell the dream. And for me, the aha moment is when as a CSM or as an implementation team, an onboarding team, you're able to then get the customer onto the horizon of that dream, right? So it may not be that they're necessarily 100% meeting all the metrics that they had defined initially, but they are at least to that point where that, that, that dream is now becoming a reality. And they, they, they know it, they feel it, and, and they internalize the fact that they've made the right decision to go with your company and your platform. And you can see themselves hitting all of their business objectives using your platform. I think that there's sometimes after a purchase happens, a bit of nervousness that, that customers have. Did I make the right decision? How much effort is this going to be? Did I really, am I really going with the right partner here to help me fulfill what I'm trying to accomplish? And so it's when you really put them at ease and, and you're able to deliver at least an inkling of meaningful value initially. And they're like, ah, yes, this is it. This is right. We're on the right trajectory. And let's, yeah. let's keep going. Well, I think interesting to what you said there was that this isn't something that everyone in customer success can do alone. Actually, the seeds for the aha moment are actually sown early on in the sales process, could be the very first call they have with a sales development representative. Because, you know, you might be well positioned to deliver a lot of value, but if the customer's expectations are too high or in some ways is too low it can be that to the real detriment of what we're doing in, in cs so i think not only making sure that sales are positioning the what's the art of the possible with the, the your solution but also documenting that so there's nothing worse from a customer perspective where you go through this lengthy sales cycle and that you pass on so much information and then the very first call with someone in a csm you're saying okay so what do you do and what does value look like from your perspective it, it never it, to me that's a really poor experience would you agree with that as well absolutely um, i think that you can almost see the customers face when if, if they're in a situation where you're asking that question where they just feel deflated <laughs> like I've just gone through this entire process and telling everyone in the pre-sales cycle about what I do, what value means to me. And then the first call is just asking them to regurgitate that. It, it sets you up for an uphill battle. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot. I mean, obviously, at Gainsight, we use our own success plans, which are, I mean, our customers leverage success plans a lot. And I'm a big believer in those, not just for the relationship as a whole, but also launch success plans as well. So. I mean, let's start off when you 
when you're starting off that relationship, how are you capturing what those expected outcomes are that your that your new customers have? And as your customers mature and maybe they're there for many years, I'm, I'm sure what those expectations are will change and evolve over time. But A, how are you capturing those? And, and B, how are you documenting it and sharing with the team? Yeah, so in the instances where we've had you know, a customer for even maybe a bit long-term, and typically the, the type of accounts that my team are dealing with are more longer-term customers where the sales process is typically upselling new teams, but we're working with a lot of the existing teams. Mm-hmm. It really comes down to doing, in my opinion, a very, very strong discovery and, and asking really detailed questions of the customer around what are their, what are their obviously, objectives from a business perspective, but then taking that down more discreetly into what, does, what do their teams do to help achieve their company's overall objectives, right? Mm-hmm. So how, do, how does their specific team or teams or their departments influence their business's ability to hit those objectives? And then I think a, a good CSM is then to able to align whatever tooling or software or platform that they, that they support into supporting those objectives and helping the customer define, you know, what, is, what are the criteria for my success plan going to be? And I, I think a good way to typically do this in longer term relationships is at the beginning of the year, right? Typically, most companies are defining what their OKRs are and their team's KPIs at the beginning of the year. So if you use that sort of opportune moment to then reset with your customer, okay, what does your plan look like for this coming year? And then what are the things that we can do to support that plan? From a documentation standpoint, we also use Gainsight really heavily, and we've recently just also started building our success plans in Gainsight as well. So we use Gainsight to build out those objectives, and then we then sort of double-click into the the activities and playbooks that a CSM is going to then execute to help achieve those objectives. And the nice thing about that is, is that from a management and an executive level, we're able to aggregate all of this data to see what are the most common objectives across our business and then maybe slice that and dice that by industry, by company size to, to get a more holistic view of like what are what is it from an aggregate level that our customers are trying to accomplish and is our company and our software primed to help our customers achieve those objectives or not. So, I mean actually we spoke about before the importance of setting expectations in the in the pre-sales effectively actually by garnishing them with all of this these insights from all of these success plans that you've got with your customers then actually helps your sales team communicate to the the future customers exactly what the art of the possible is so i think there there are so many applications even outside of customer success for, for doing this now clearly it's one thing to document down exactly what your customers are looking to do from using your solution it's it's another thing entirely to track their progress towards it and then eventually know whether you've achieved it or not so obviously there are many different ways of being able to see if the customers reach their aha moment one is purely anecdotal you know it's always great to when you're doing quarterly business reviews or just on a call with your customer and say look we love using your software we couldn't be without it i mean in my eyes one of the most important differentiations especially in today's world where every dollar cent pound or euro whatever choose your currency of choice is being scrutinized is it's really only the software that is essential is is going to get renewed those are nice to have or can do without a clearly huge risk for churn so being able to hear anecdotally from a customer that they love what you do and how you work with them is one thing. But it, you can't just work on anecdote alone. And this is where data plays such an important 
part. But how, how do you do it? I mean, are you, are you using a mixture of, of metrics and also reaching out to your customer either through anecdotes or through more formal structured ways like NPS programs? How, how are you tracking progress towards the goal? So anecdotal is, is nice and it, and it definitely helps. But for, for me personally as well, I, I think that anecdotes don't stand on their own unless you have data to back up those anecdotes. And so we rely heavily on data. Now, currently the way you know what we operate at Envision can leverage product data, but, but once again, product data on its own, I think you need both. Product data on its own can be meaningless. Usage data, they're using, let's say, they have they're, they're, they've deployed the platform and they have 300 people using the platform. That in and of itself is sort of meaningless, a meaningless stat unless you have the anecdotes to back up, like how are they using it? Why are they using it? Have they increased their, in our case, collaboration? Are they, are they collaborating with other stakeholders? Are they doing uh, tying it back to those objectives is what I think a strong CSM is able to do is, is to take the product usage data marry that back to the objectives, tie it to the anecdotes, and then come up with a really, really strong holistic story for why the customer is achieving what they had set out to achieve. I think if you have these things in isolation, they, they don't hold weight. And from a customer's perspective, they're just going to say, so what, right? So that that's how we are, are modeled to operate at Envision. I mean, do you, generally speaking, there is too much reliance put on product usage data? I mean, I've seen in scorecards of the past where, you, you might judge health and put too high a weighting just on the basis of how many users are regularly logging into your product. I mean, I'm not saying for one thing that's a bad thing. Of course, that's a good place. But to me, it's only a starting point. I'm sure many people listening to this and even yourself, Wackhouse, might have seen customers that you might look on the surface and say they've got high usage and they still end up churning or downgrading. And customers who, who might, on the at least on the surface level, have usage that might appear low, but actually they're, they're getting a lot from that, and it's proved, and it's making a considerable difference. You are really speaking in music to my ears right now. <laughs> I mean, we've gotten we've gotten burned by this many times, where we're like, oh wow, like the, the usage is. We allow our customers to exceed their license count without like going back to them, you know, to, to pay for those licenses initially. So we've seen cases where their usage is higher than their allotted license amount. And we're like, oh, this is great. We're going to see a huge upsell at renewal. And then it, it turns out that they're churning, right? So I think that it can be a very, very dangerous and slippery slope to go down if you're just looking at product usage data. So you really have to understand the context behind the why as to what is your customer trying to accomplish? Why are they trying to accomplish it? What features within the product are going to help them accomplish it? And are they using those features effectively? It's going to come back to anecdotes, objectives tied with product usage. You know, product usage alone is a very dangerous thing to look at. And of course, it's all well and good knowing what your customers' expected outcomes are, i.e. the aha moment. And in a perfect world, now Nirvana situation, every customer that was sold to perfectly, the implementation went absolutely wonderfully, they continue to get ongoing value from using your solution. But of course, in the real world, things don't always work out that way. And even where as a, as a vendor, you think you've done a great job, but then maybe the goalposts move on the customer side. There are new contacts or new expectations, and maybe what was a perfect fit at the beginning isn't so much of a perfect fit now. So if 
if you think you're straying away or you're not achieving or your customer's not achieving that aha moment, what can you do as a, as a, as a CSM or a customer success leader? Do you have a formalized risk escalation process where maybe you involve different stakeholders from across your business, be that product, support, engineering, marketing? Um, do you have kind of more specific processes within customer success? So where you see that delta between your customer's aha moment and what they're actually getting, what kind of processes or workflows do you do you implement? So yeah, we, we definitely have escalation paths. We, we try to bring in myself or either other customer success leadership within the organization. But one, one thing we also try to do at Envision, you know, we're, we're very lucky that we have a lot of amazing sort of thought leaders in the design practice space that work at Envision. And what they're tasked to do is sit down with our customers and, and really sort of talk through from a thought leadership perspective, are they really on the right path to accomplishing what they want to accomplish in order to help achieve their objectives? So they are, these people are like very experienced practice design leaders that, that can come in and almost help shift the narrative for our customers to help better align with what our platform can deliver. So in instances where we're having trouble meeting that aha moment, or maybe the customer's priorities have shifted, we can bring in some of these thought leaders to, to really help maybe change the narrative or help the customer understand that the problems that they're looking to solve may not be the right problems and they should be thinking about things a different way. And usually the way that we try to steer them towards is our product sweet spot or is our platform or company sweet spot. So the things that we are really, really strong at solving. And when we help the customers see things in a different light and we bring in these people, we're able to, to sort of help. Obviously, it, it saves the relationship, it saves the account, but it sort of puts the customer back on track to getting them to to achieve their their ultimate objectives and outcomes. So we, we definitely leverage sort of the, the thought leaders within the design space that work at Envision a lot to help our CS team augment the, the conversations that they're having with their customers. Funny, we, we talk about the customer as if the customer is just one being, but of course, a customer is a, a multifaceted organism that's made up of lots of different personas that you might work with. So if you think about the different levels of seniority, so for us at Gainsight, thinking about the, an individual customer success manager versus a leader of customer success, and you think about a, a chief customer officer who then might report into a, a CEO and there'll be other stakeholders involved, for example, the CFO and procurement. So there'll, there'll be these, these very different stakeholders that you need to engage with, and each of which will have a slightly different aha moment than, than their colleagues. So how do, you, how do you manage that? Because obviously, if you're dealing with a user base, they will have a very, very specific end goal in mind when, when working with your solution. But the leader of that team or the ultimate business owner might have something slightly different. So have you seen that as well, where it's not just a case of understanding the customer as, as one silo, but actually it's a multifaceted organism and it's very, it will be very often the case where there will be different aha moments depending on the role of the people that you're dealing with. Yeah, actually, one of the, the skill sets that, that I look for in, in CSMs are, are CSMs that have the ability to operate and work with you know, end users and, and the user base, and then translate that into working with executives as well. So the ability to translate the, the, the work that you're doing with the end user base and shift that into what does that mean for the executive, I think you have to have both. The aha moment for the end user is going to be different, I think, than the aha moment for the executive. The aha moment for the end users come from the actual usage of the product. And I think that in working and, and typically in those like scenarios where you're 
training users or, or onboarding users and, and working with them to, to actually get them into the product and using it is, is one way to get the aha moment. And then typically in something like a CBR is where you help translate all of that into the, the business value that that customer is getting. And the aha moment for that executive or the buyer is going to be a bit different. The, the interesting thing about, and I've seen this sort of across the board, it, it varies from maybe industry to industry, but in the design space, oftentimes the user base is, is, the, is the decision maker for the products and platforms that they use. So it's very much a groundswell approach to product adoption. Oftentimes executives at, at companies will pick the tools that their user base wants to use. Where other times it's it's more of a top-down approach of, hey, we've purchased this platform, we're implementing it, and then you're forced to use it. In the design world, it's a bit flipped. So we really need to have strong relationships with end users and make sure our end users are hitting those aha moments because that's going to help influence the, the executive buyer at the end of the day. So I, can, I mean, I, I think we've done hopefully a good job of, of explaining what the aha moment is and, and the, the importance of it. I guess the final couple of questions I have is if you've only got you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 customers as a, as a CSM or even thinking across the business, it shouldn't be that difficult to have in-depth discussions with each and every customer to try and figure it out and, and have this relatively high-touch strategy in order to show tangible evidence about how customers are achieving and getting to that aha moment. But what about when you're trying to do this at scale? What about if you've got thousands of, of customers and trying to do it. Have you got any advice for anyone who is listening to this, really loves the concept, but may, may be struggling to think about how they might do this, where the number of customers that they serve is just too many to spend a lot of time individually on anyone? Yep. It's a problem that we had to look to solve as well as we were building out our success plan strategy earlier in the year, where the, the team that I that I lead, the strategic team, typically has a lower number of accounts and they are expected to go deeper. But our enterprise team has you know quite a few accounts, right? You're looking at maybe 40, 50 accounts sometimes. And so the ability to go deep and have meaningful conversations with, with that number of accounts, and it, as you're talking, maybe even when you get into the 50, 100,000 mm. range, that, that's almost impossible. So one of the things that we, we employed at Envision was we built out a, a survey tool and we started asking questions within the survey tool that we deployed to sort of the main stakeholders within an organization of these are the common objectives that other customers in your industry are trying to solve. And this is how they're trying to solve them. Which one of these resonates with you? And, and can you prioritize that based on, you know, what's the most important to least important? And if you're able to answer the survey and, and provide us with these objectives, then we will be able to deploy our resources at scale to you to help you solve this. So we have a number of like tech touch or low touch resources that we can deploy for a customer. We actually call them marketing driven accounts because we're leveraging a lot of what our marketing team is doing because they're able to hit users at scale. So we, we've employed a strategy by which we're, we're getting all of this data from our customers via surveys. And the benefit for our customers are that once they tell us from a priority perspective what their objectives are, what that aha moments means to them, we can then deploy resources at scale, leveraging our marketing engines, not to market at them, but to actually provide them with the relevant content and materials necessary to help them hit their objectives. Interesting. So have you found that surveying alone is obviously one of the things, surveys are great because you can deliver them at scale. Obviously, they typically suffer from low response rates. So 
for customers where you don't have that data, do you have to then just kind of try and think about their aha moments based on assumptions on the industry that they're in and the size and their maturity? So can you use what you've learned from customers where you have responded to and try and group different customers together and make those assumptions? You can make those assumptions. I think sometimes it can... I find making assumptions about customers can sometimes lead to a very dangerous path of, of making the you know the wrong assumptions, which can then frustrate customers and can lead to a very very bad sort of relationship. Yeah. So so in those cases where we didn't receive responses or or no responded, we actually bucketed those customers to potentially being at risk. Right? They're not yeah. responding to us. Like you know, there may be some deeper rooted reason as to why they're not working with us, and, and maybe we should look at them with a different lens of of the lens of like they're maybe not healthy, maybe they're at risk, and we should start to deploy some some sort of risk mitigation strategies with those accounts to get them to a place where they're a bit more healthier and, and willing to engage with us. Well, you know, you raise a great point. I've, I've blogged on this topic previously, but to me, the most worrying kind of customer that you can have isn't the one who complains to your support team or your customer success team, because at least they're engaging with you. The customers who I worry about, the one, the, the, the customers who I worry more about the most are the ones that we never hear from. Because then not having to deal with any kind of knowledge and just, you know, making those assumptions, which you say in some kinds can be wildly off, can lead to all manner of, of bad results that you don't want to go near. So I can completely concur with what you're saying. So just finally, I'm playing devil's advocate. If, if someone's listening to this and maybe they work in a business that doesn't have much churn, maybe they've got the monopoly or they've got some very specific functionality that, that their customers need to use. So if they if they don't have churn and thinking, well, do I really need to know the aha moment if my customers continue to renew year on year without much churn or, or downgrades, should I really care about this? What, what would your answer or what might your answer be to that? My answer to that would be that Envision was that type of business three to four years ago where we didn't have competition we had sort of the market cornered and we have now become a company that has to worry about risk and churn and competitors so you may not be in that scenario you know now but you don't know what the future holds you don't know what other companies are 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 starting to build products or solutions that are going to come after your market, come after your user base. So you don't want to wait until it's too late and then you're scrambling to try to figure it out. You want to be ahead of the curve. You want to be proactive. You know, the whole thing about customer success is trying to be proactive, not reactive. And that's that same sort of mindset you need to have as a business as well. You need to be proactive with your customers. You need to be proactive with what it is that they're trying to achieve because Yes, maybe this year, maybe next year, it may not be a problem, but three, four, five years. So if, if you have a strong enough product and you're in a strong enough market, eventually someone's going to come after you and, and you don't want to wait until it's too late. Fantastic. Look, great advice. I've certainly learned a lot from our conversation. Um, it's been brilliant speaking with you. Thank you so much for giving up some of your time today. Really appreciate it, Wycast. Thank you, Adam. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast. Please follow, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about all of our episodes, please visit Gainsight.com. This podcast is produced and edited by StudioPod. To learn more about their work, go to StudioPodSF.com.